Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Father, you are faithful and you are true. Who is like you? We celebrate your majesty and your wonder. And we invite your spirit into this place already. He's here. But just fill up every heart. Bless and minister to every person, every soul. Let no one be unchanged tonight by your presence, by your grace. We worship you, Father, and we praise your name forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Just bless him tonight. Maybe you're not familiar with what that looks like, but it's just your own mouth just giving him glory and praise. We don't need a song or an instrument. We can just bless the name of the Lord. Father, we bless you. We thank you, Father. You are a name that's above every other name, a power that's above every other power. Father, we thank you. You are wonderful. You are faithful. You are true. And we thank you, Father. There is none like you. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Turn to someone tonight. Welcome them to church. I tell you, we could go home now, right? Sheesh. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sir. Well, I tell you what, there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Amen? You know, the last couple of weeks for me have been, I guess if the the world was to give a term, tiring. Just lots of travel and ministry and teaching and preaching, parenting, (laughs) husbanding, (laughs) grandsoning. Um, But man, I tell you what, um, I was feeling it this afternoon. And, you know, in your your body, it's like, okay, let that adrenaline kick in and get up for a 6 p.m. service. But you, you get in the presence of the Lord and you just see the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that even the the young men can get weary and faint? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Amen. There is a spiritual power. Literally, the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Christ's physical body from the dead. 
and that same power dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, he's better than any energy drink you could drink. Um, but these spiritual things are real. Amen. I had a message, and I think we'll get to it, kind of. But during worship, the Lord just changed it. Um, and, you know, you hear me say it all the time. When you sow the seed of talking to God in worship, don't be surprised when you get the harvest of God talking to you in worship. You reap what you sow. And when you talk to God, it'll pave the way for God to talk to you. Amen. Uh, so open up your Bibles with me uh, to the book of James. We'll go to James and then we'll go to 1 Peter. James chapter 4. These are some of the golden texts for my life. And let's look here. And verse number four, well, five, James four and five, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit, which he has made us to dwell in, but he gives a greater grace. That's talking about God. There is a greater Grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. God opposes the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. There is a greater grace. Uh, now, grace is the quality of God that makes life easy. And you could be more or less graced. And out of this, it says that God will oppose the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. And so it's saying, since God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, submit yourself. What is pride? It's any area of your life that is unsubmitted to the master. And when you have an area of your life that is unsubmitted to him, it says God will resist you. Now, Will, come up here just real quick. Uh, will Ramsey over here. In, 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 I, yeah, let's give it up for Will. Will's a good man. I like Will. Now, don't take me. You're a young man, so don't, don't, don't push against me too hard. Uh, but out of this, try to walk forward for me. Literally, this word resist means this. Now, out of this, it, since God could give more grace, it gives the impression, keep walking. Uh, you can push against me some. Uh, so out of this, it gives the impression that there could be more or less resistance. And let me ask you a question. If, you, if God was doing this, if God was me and Will was you, and God was resisting you, how much progress do you think you would make? You can sit down. Thank you, Will. But that's what that word resist means. Now, can you imagine God doing that to somebody? He does it all the time. People don't understand how much resistance they're facing because they think the resistance is just life. It's not. There is a greater grace. God didn't design life to be hard. 
Jesus said, are you tired, worn out? What did he say? Come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What, what does that yoke mean? People, I hear people teach on this all the time. It's incorrect doctrine. Whenever, um, the reason why Jesus waited until 30 to step out into ministry was that was the age you could become a rabbi or a teacher. You weren't fit to teach the next generation until you were a generation ahead of them. So he waited till 30. All of the disciples were teenagers. They were the generation below him. And that's why he called them unto him is because they were the generation below him. And as uh, at 30, he could be their rabbi. He could be their teacher. And so you could pick your rabbi, who you wanted your rabbi or teacher to be. But when you sat underneath their teaching, it was called taking their yoke upon you. And Jesus said, if you will take my yoke upon you, you will see life is not easy or hard. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. But for so many, their yoke is not easy and their burden is not light. And it's because the Lord is resisting them. He resists the proud. All resistance is not designed to be resisted. Some resistance needs to be listened to. There's an area of your life that is going unsubmitted. You remember when Jesus approached the centurion and the centurion, you know, he, he came to me, said, my servant is sick to the point of death. And Jesus said, well, I'll come to your house and heal him. And he said, no, Lord, it's not necessary for I'm a man under authority. And I have men underneath my authority. And I say to one, go and he goes to another one, come and he comes and to another one, do this and he does it. And Jesus, he turned around to his disciples and it said he marveled and said, I have not found so great faith. No, not in all of Israel. Uh, but notice the terminology of this, this man. I am a man under authority. And from that place of being under authority, I have the ease of life of telling something to come and it comes. Something to do this and it does it. Something to, to stop and it stops. Not just because I have authority, but because I'm also a man what? Under authority. And so much of the church today is using its authority trying to change something through prayer or confession or through any of these things. It's like, I want this area of my life to change or I want that area of my life to change or the job is hard, so I'm praying for it or the, the family's hard, so I'm praying for it or life is hard, so I'm praying for it or finances are tight, so I'm praying for it. And they're doing it and they're not seeing anything happen. They're telling it to go and it's not going. They're telling it to come and it's not coming. And, you know, you look at that and that centurion, that was a form of like military. If, if that commander general went AWOL out of the will of the army and the army's given him instructions and he's like, I'm not listening to that. He would lose his authority. They are not going to keep him in that position if he will not yield to their instruction. His, his having authority is dependent upon him being under authority. And we are in the Lord's army. <laughs> and you know why Jesus was powerful? It wasn't just because he was powerful. He was a man what? Under authority. He said, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. He went as far as to say, I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father tell me to say. Why was Jesus able to exercise so much authority? 
because he was a man under so much authority. In fact, what do you see? The, the Lord Jesus, his toughest moment in his physical body. You see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. The, the father is asking him to do something he does not want to do. And he goes into the garden, he begins to pray, and he says, I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. And he got up from there knowing there was still a part of him that was not submitted. You know what he did? He went back to that place and said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not your will, but my will be done. And he got up and left, and he realized, I need to go back. And he went back and said, not my will, but your will be done. He was a man under authority. He did what he did not want to do to submit to his heavenly father. And out of that, because of his submission and because of him making himself a servant to the father and doing what the father wanted him to do, what did the Lord do? He graced him and gave him a name that was above every other name, lifted him up out of every bit of hell, not by his power, but by God's power. Why? Because there is a greater grace. On the flip side of, of this resistance, there is the other side of a pool. That, that not only, and you know, with Will, imagine, instead of resisting him, you got somebody who's a great athlete. I'm going to get there in Jesus' name, but a great athlete who's pulling him a, a, along, running with him, pulling him. That it's not just his own strength. There's another strength attached to Will, helping him run his race. There is a greater grace, James said. There is a greater grace, James said. Well, where is that greater grace? God gives grace unto the humble. What is the humble? Someone who is submitted, therefore, unto God. Now, this is not a one-off in Scripture. This is not just James. Go over to the, 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 the passage of Scripture next to it in First Peter. Just keep flipping uh, past James. First Peter's right next to it. First Peter chapter 5. And let's look here in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive... The unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, all of you, that's me and you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud. God is opposed to the proud. God is opposed to the proud. But he gives grace unto the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in proper time. Now notice, the exaltation does not happen until the humbling. Once the humbling is there, then there's the exaltation. But on the flip side of the humble and the exaltation is the proud and the opposition. And what is pride? Pride is not just thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Pride is any area of your life where your will is is sustained above the Lord's. And it happens in all shape, forms, and sizes. And when it is in my life, when that area of my life is unsubmitted to the Lord, there is opposition that is in my life that is blocking my progress. Uh, There's all kinds of things that pop up. And I really feel like tonight is a night of repentance. And repentance is not a a dirty word. Repentance is, is not something to be ashamed of. 
Repentance is just saying, you know what? I'm placing my life under the mighty hand of God, and I make a decision to deal with this thing in my life and to become a man and a woman underneath authority. I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God because I know there's an exaltation that is to come into my life this year of God doing something for me that I could never do myself. That even, I think, in our nation, in our nation, what we see is God wanting to move in ways that we haven't seen him move in a long time. Like these revivals that are popping up. You know, one of the characteristics that we're seeing in these revivals, people repenting. Because when God will have a people who will humble themselves and pray and not just do that, but do what? Turn from their wicked ways. Then he will hear from heaven and he will hear their land. But wicked ways is not just like this terrible sin over here in my life, but it's an an area of my life that is going unsurrendered, an area of my life that is going unsubmitted. And when I make a decision to submit myself, therefore, unto God, there is a greater grace. And it pops up in all kinds of ways. I had this example, just the Lord told me to, I don't think I've ever told this story before. Uh, But just this is how easy these things come into our life. The, The devil is subtle. He's subtle in how he works to to bring in opposition and to eliminate the grace of God God wants on our life. But there was somebody, um, an employee of mine years ago, you don't know him, Um, but I I just, I I had it in my heart, uh, well, not in my heart, my flesh wanted to bless him, like just out of a natural affection. I wanted to be good to him, but the Lord wouldn't let me. Something in my heart would stop me. Each time I'd go for the church and for myself to be a blessing, I couldn't. And I asked the Lord about it. I'm like, there's something stopping me on the inside. Like, I don't have peace uh, about this. And the Lord said, he's been harsh against you with his words. And I saw it. I saw it in the spirit. I saw it. And harsh against the church with his words. And so he said, you can't curse something and expect to be blessed by it. And he's wanting to be blessed by it, but wondering why a blessing's not coming from it. But just like Jesus cursed the fig tree and could not eat any of their fruit thereon. No man eat fruit of you hereafter, Jesus said. And what did they come back and see later on? Two days later when they're walking by, the fig tree had dried up from its roots. Because you can't curse something and expect to be blessed by it. Out of the same mouth cannot proceed blessing and cursing. And so it can be something as simple as a tongue going unsubmitted, talking harshly about somebody, talking harshly about a man or a woman of God, talking harshly about another individual, another son or daughter of God, uncovering, speaking ill love, not having a heart of a healer, that area of life going unsubmitted, 1 Corinthians 13 going unsubmitted to not being yielded to. And the more you grow in God, the more there is to submit to and the more there is to place your life under authority to. And when I don't place my life under that authority and I know to, I'm inviting opposition in my life and I'm also taking the grace of God off my life. And I just, I feel that just impressed big coming up in my heart again. You cannot curse something and expect to be blessed by it. You can't curse your job and expect to be blessed by your job. You can't do it. You can't curse the fig tree and eat fruit from it. 
Um, and out of this, we have to be people who are blessers. We have to be people who are healers. But all these areas of our life just go unsubmitted to. They go unsurrendered to. And God comes and deals with our hearts to make changes. And when he asks us to make changes, we make excuses. And out of that, each time I do that, and my heart will not bend its knee to God, and my heart will not come to a place of surrender, God is near a contrite heart. And out of this, each time I'm coming and I'm stiff-necked and I'm like Pharaoh and God is speaking to my heart, but I will not alter. I will not change. I will not change how I speak. I will not change how I act. I will not change what I do with my time. I will not change what I do with my money. I will not change what I do with my enemy. God tells me to bless my enemy. I want to talk about him. God tells me to give to my enemy. It's like I want to take from him. I want to sue him. Like God tells me to come into all these kinds of arenas of life, but my life goes unsurrendered to that. God opposes the proud. What is the proud? Any area of my life that is not being surrendered to King Jesus, there is opposition there. There have been three notable times in 20 years of ministry where I felt the grace of God lift from me for my job. Literally felt it lift from me. And it was like everything that was so easy for me to do was instantly hard. Preaching, teaching, writing a message, leading my staff, leading my family. Three notable times. And each time there was an area of my life that was unsurrendered to King Jesus. That had gone unsurrendered for quite some time. I'll just tell you the second one. Uh, The ministry was, was growing. It was right before we built phase one. But I could sense the grace of God lifting from me. And it, it, it almost made me wonder, am I supposed to pastor this church? Am I supposed to be a missionary? I've always loved missions. Am I supposed to go do something else? But it was like everything was hard. Every staff meeting was hard. Preaching and teaching was hard. Writing a message was hard. And the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, is we were having a staff Christmas party uh, at my house. And and out of this, all the staff was going to come over to the house because the pastor ought to be hospitable, have people in their homes. It literally is a job requirement, by the way. If you want to be a pastor, you got to be hospitable. Uh, So I'm not making that up. Read Timothy. Uh, So out of that, um, we're having people over to our house. And, and, you know, the staff has come over. My wife made lasagnas. My, my, My wife will make a lasagna that'll make your tongue want to slap your brains out. I mean, it is, it is magnificent. Uh, so, but she had made lasagna and she put it in the, the oven and, you know, you're running around trying to get everything cleaned and ready and I'm taking the lasagna out of the oven and I, I open up the oven, I grab it with one hand. So I've got one hand with the, the pot holder on it, you know, the thing that you could reach in an oven with and the other hand is bare and in my, my, I just wasn't thinking, like I said, just no grace, I, I grab the, the lasagna pan, I'm pulling it out, but it's too heavy. So I feel the pan, it was in one of those, you know, metal, you know, kind of soft pans, the aluminum. And so I'm pulling it out and I feel it buckle. And I can feel the lasagna is about to spill out. So I put my, my bare hand underneath it to brace it. And then I slide it over to the, the, the countertop. And I go, ah! And my wife hears me. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm done. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm done. And I go in my my bedroom and I close the door to my bathroom area and I just sit there and I'm like, God, literally, this is the question I'm asking. And if you've been asking this question lately, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to go on a journey. What is wrong with me? 
Like I'm here and I'm like, why is taking out a lasagna from the oven hard? I'm like, there is nothing in my life that is easy right now. And finally it dawns on me what I'm saying. And I'm like, I have lost all grace. And so I come to the Lord and, the, and, and I'm just at this moment where I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself under his hand. And I'm like, Father, teach me. Tell me what is wrong with me. And the Lord said, well, before I talk to you, you just need to understand you're tired. And he said, I want you to get some rest. And so I, I came to my wife and I said, look, we're going somewhere. I said, I don't know where, but we're going somewhere. I said, we got to get away. And so we, we packed up. We had the staff fellowship. That's how many, you fake it till you make it. And so, I, you know, you, you come in there and, you know, you, you clean up everything. And we had the staff fellowship. And I wish then, honestly, that I didn't fake it. I would have told my staff, like, hey, there's an area of my life that's just unsurrendered to King Jesus. And I don't know what it is. Let's pray. But anyway, I didn't know enough then to be transparent. But we went on this vacation, and we're, I'm sitting out on the beach, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm watching my kids build a sandcastle. And the Lord speaks to me, tells me this area of my life that was unsurrendered, and it was in my giving. And you've heard me tell the story before. Of He said, the, the Lord said, I've called you to be a Moses to others, Joshua's. That Moses, when, when God made water come from a rock, that out of that, an enemy came to take that water, and Moses went to the top of the hill while Joshua stayed in the field. And Moses sent strength from the hill to Joshua who was in the field. That Moses was not in the war, but he sent his strength to those who were. But he said his hands got tired, and so they began to fall. And I sent two men beside him, Aaron and Hur, who, who told him to sit down and we'll lift your hands up. And God said, I've called you to be a Moses on the hill. You're out of the war. You've been a man of peace and you will remain one. But he said, if all you do is use your strength to make your life and your ministry greater without sending it sacrificially to Joshua's and missionaries who are out in the field, you will lose your grace and that's what's been happening to you. But if you will make a decision to surrender yourself and your finances to send money to Joshua's who are out in the field, missionaries who are out in the field, then you will see I will send people beside you that tell you to sit down and they will lift your hands up. And immediately I saw the area of my life that was unsurrendered to King Jesus. Now, I'll tell you right now, at that time, the church was tithing. But he was calling us to a higher level and I didn't want to hear it. He was calling us to sacrificial giving above our tithes and offerings but to come and serve missionaries. I got a missionary called me up the other day, said, hey, can you come to Lebanon for two days and teach and preach? We're starting a Bible school, and we'd love for you to be the instructor and show people what the Bible school will be like. And the Lord told me, whatever he asks, say yes. So literally, I am flying all the way to Lebanon. It'll take me longer to fly uh, and there and back than to be there to preach. Uh, but the Lord told me to, to sacrificially serve missionaries financially and with my time and my life. And if I did, he would give me strength. If I didn't, I would lose that strength. He get, there is a greater grace. And so out of that, I made a decision right there on that beach. From here on out, I will live my life sacrificially for missionaries. When they say they thirst for the ones he's coveted me with, me with I will go to the well with my time, my personal finances, and the churches. 
And so we made a decision to do that. And I hadn't even begun to do it. The opportunity to do it didn't even arise. God blessed me on credit. How many of you know God will bless you even on credit? Six weeks later, I have two men call me up and say, we need a meeting with you. And they came, sat in my office, paid off all of phase one, wrote a check, paid the whole thing off. And ever since then, we've given this year already $750,000 to other ministries. $750,000 to other ministries. Come on. That's way above 10%, I might add. Well, why would we do that? We have needs. We have things we want to see done. Why would we do that? To be a man under authority. And this is why most people don't see grace. Do we, do we see this? There's a reason why most people aren't exalted. And it's not because God's a respecter of persons. He loves everybody. It's that most people are AWOL, out of the will of the Lord. There's an area of their life that is not submitted to King Jesus. There is something he is trying to arrest their attention to, get them to pay attention to, to stop something, to start something, to do something, to to come to a place, to do something he wants them to do. And it's not surrendered to King Jesus. And as long as it's not surrendered, there is opposition. But as soon as it is surrendered, there's a greater grace. And and I want to encourage you in your life to just take a moment and ask God to guide you, to show you what you need to see, to be a light to your heart and a light to that place in your life that, that opens up his direction and opens up his command into your heart. And this is nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. And this is nothing uh, to be, um, you know, uh, wounded over. But this is not a night to resist the Holy Spirit. Stephen looked at the people he was preaching and said, you stiff-necked people. (laughs) I would never say that to you unless you told me to. But I would never say that. But Stephen's he's like, you stiff-necked people. He said, what is a stiff neck? It won't turn. It's made up. I'm going this way. It won't turn. It won't yield. If you're humble, you listen. If you're humble, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. What is that? A listening ear. Teach me. I have a mentor of mine. I sat down with him this week. And we started talking, and I was telling him some things in the church and you know, that I was doing. And I told him, I said, you know why I'm doing that, right? And he said, why? I said, because you told me to. I said, I... I submit myself to the elders. What is that? That's scriptural. See, we we have the bracelets like, what would Jesus do? But it's like, what would Jesus do in your position? As a mom right now, what would Jesus do with those kids? And is is your life submitted to them? As, As somebody with your current level of finances, are you handling that level of finances the way Jesus would? As a business owner, as a pastor right now of multiple campuses and millions of dollars of assets and and things that come in, am I handling it the way Jesus would want me to handle it? Um, As a father of three children, am I parenting them the way Jesus would want me to parent them? As a husband of, of a wife, am I loving her the way he loves me? Is my life surrendered to King Jesus there? 
And, and when my life comes into alignment, and, and for every season there is a direct word, because there are many areas of our life that could see improvement. But for this season of your life right now, there is something the Holy Spirit will draw your attention to. There is something the Holy Spirit will, will, will lean your heart over into, to the, the, the beauty of surrender in that area. And I just feel compelled by the Spirit. This was not my message. I had a really funny story I was going to lead with of like white, white water rafting and a guide who was high and fell out of the boat. I'll, I'll maybe tell you, I think he was high. Where's Timothy? Timothy, Timothy, Timothy. I saw him earlier. Timothy, I don't see him in here now. Timothy was in the boat with me in the raft. Anyway, we'll talk about it maybe next week. But my point is, is I had this message, but I'm telling you in worship, there was something that came up in my heart that just said, repent. Repent. And and it's not like shame on you. It's like the Lord saying like, you know there is something that is a far level of living than what you're underneath right now. Like there is a position that God is calling you onto that literally he will lift you, lift you up to. That It's not you taking your life there. It's the Lord lifting you up. It's God doing for you what you could never do for yourself, but it's a call of surrender. It's a call of the master. It's the call to say, in this area of your life, will you bow your knee to me? Will you come to a place where you just surrender yourself under my mighty hand? Or will you be like Pharaoh and harden your heart and act like I'm not talking to you? Pharaoh's life was so much harder than it had to be. God came to him time after time with the same word, let my people go. And each time God is speaking to him, let my people go, you see Pharaoh hardening his heart more and more. And what does Pharaoh say? No. I'll watch the Nile turn into blood. I'll watch frogs hop across the land. I'll watch all of these things. I'll watch my children die before I relent and before I change. And and out of this, like literally the Bible in Hebrews points us back to Pharaoh and says, do not harden your heart. Do not be like the children of Israel, like literally the children of Israel. It points to them in the book of Hebrews. And it's like, look at their life. Literally from Egypt to the promised land was a 14-day journey that took them 40 years. And you know why it took them 40 years instead of 14 days? They would not hearken to God. God told them, I'll I'll make bread fall from heaven every single day but on the Sabbath. So do not gather more than you need today. And you know what they did? They gathered all that they needed for the rest of the week and it bread worms and stank. And then he told them for the Sabbath, he's like, gather in enough on the last day before the Sabbath because it will not come on the Sabbath. You know what they did? On the day they should have gathered more, they're like, we'll be fine. They did not hearken unto the voice of God. 
And, and out of that, God's like, I have a whole nother level of living for you. Like it is literally a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey, a, a land that has vineyards that you did not plant and buildings that you did not build and things that you did not work for. He's like, and I am going to give it to you if you will just hearken unto my voice and do what I'm asking you to do. And for years, they keep circling the same mountain, acting like God is not speaking to them. And Hebrews points back and it says, well, you harden your heart as they did in the day of provocation. That when God came to test them, you say no like they did. We see these stories of like Abraham and it's like, man, Abraham's a friend of God and God's taking him and making a great nation out of him. He's like, in blessing, I will bless you. And it's like, I would love to be Abraham. But when God asks us to leave something, we just don't leave it. And when God asks us to offer Isaac, it's like, I can't do that. But when God asked Abraham to leave, he's like, okay, where do you want me to go? And God's like, I'll show you when you get there. He's like, is this it? No. Is this it? No. Okay, I'll just keep looking. God tells him to offer Isaac. What does this man do? Like, it's his only son. It's the thing he's believed God for for decades. Like, I can't imagine God asking me to give Boston. Like, I can't imagine God asking me to give Benjamin. I can't imagine it. And you know what Abraham does? The Bible says literally he wakes up early the next morning and grabs his son and carries him up a mountain. And his son looks at him. He's like, I see the fire. I see the wood. But I don't see the sacrifice. This man, Abraham, is under so much authority that he will build an altar and put his son on it. And lift up a knife and an angel's got to call his name twice to get him to stop. And God comes to him and he says, and now I know that you are a man basically under authority. And blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. Why? Humility. Humility. I will tremble at your word. It will be no light thing to me. I love that. I love that statement. I will tremble at your word. Like when you speak to me, I will, tre- I will come under it, not out of fear, but out of honor. Not out of, af- I'm afraid, but because I honor you. And not just I honor you, but like Abraham, it talks about in Hebrews, I trust you that if I give you this in my life, it is because you will give me more. Like that if I, if I place my hand under your instruction here, it's because you are taking me somewhere. And remember, I, I talked about that a couple of months ago, that whenever God gives you a commandment, it's not just a commandment. It is instruction. And it is guidance. And the difference between a commandment, a commandment is just telling you something to do, but guidance is trying to take you somewhere. 
And the thing that God is asking you to do is not just stop talking about leadership that way or give missionaries more money or treat your wife differently or wake up early and pray. It is not God just giving you a commandment. It is God giving you guidance. He is trying to take your life somewhere. He's trying to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. He's trying to take you to a place of exaltation. But until you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, tremble at his word and be a doer and not just a hearer of it only, you will never be blessed in your deed. But if you will come to this place and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And whatever you ask me to do, Father, by your grace, help me to get it done. Because you know what I've seen? God honors the try. And even if it's going like Isaac keeps getting off the altar, God sees if you've built it. And God sees if you keep placing him there. And when you have a heart that genuinely just says, God, I want to submit it. I want to surrender. I'm telling you, the Lord will work with that and grace will help you for the surrender. But if I keep going and just will not relent and I will not change, then I test the Lord God. And that's one thing we cannot do. We cannot test him. I cannot throw myself off of a mountain doing the thing that I know God does not want me to do and be like, his angels will catch me. I've got to come to a place where I tremble at his word, where I place myself under his authority and say, God, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Wherever you ask me to go, I will go there. Whatever you want me to say, I will say it. Wherever you want me to step, I will step. I tremble at your word. Let's pray. I'll invite the worship team up. Father, I just, I thank you in the name of Jesus that we will be a people and I will be a pastor and I will be a man that trembles at your word. Not out of fear, Father, but out of honor. We are not afraid of you. I am not afraid of you. You are good and you are kind and you are merciful. But, Father, I do honor you. And we do honor you. And so, Father, we say tonight, speak, Lord, for your servants, your sons, and your daughters, we are listening. That, Father, in all of our lives and in all of our hearts, we want to be a man and a woman underneath your authority. That, Father, we don't want to go each one our own way. We don't want to harden our heart. We want to yield to you. We want to yield to your spirit. We want you to have your way. We want to relent. We do not want to persist. We want to relent. We want to repent. We don't want to be hard-hearted. And so, Father, we come and we just say, Lord, that we give our lives away and we place it under your authority. Now, Father, I just ask you tonight for the grace to do that. The grace to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service.
Father, we offer our lives. We offer our will. We offer our families. We offer our sons. We offer our daughters. We offer our finances. We offer our time. We offer our lives as a living sacrifice. And we just place it at your altar. And we welcome your grace. Just tonight in worship, any arena of your life that just needs to be sacrificed, any area of your life that needs to be surrendered, just ask the Father for the grace to surrender that area. Or maybe like me in that example of like you have sensed grace lifting, but you have not realized what it was, but you know like there is a missing grace And maybe tonight, just during worship, you ask the Father to to show you with his gentleness, is there any area of my life that is going unsubmitted to King Jesus? Is there any area of my life that is going unyielded to, to the King? And let's just make a decision to surrender that area to invite the Spirit into that place and to take upon His teaching. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just worship the Lord tonight. Worship team, I'll invite you to come up. Just worship the Lord Jesus. Everyone, you can just worship the Lord from your seat or from the altar or standing. It makes no difference. It's not the posture of our flesh. It's the posture of our heart of just surrender unto the King, a relenting unto the King, a returning unto the King.